In terms of cybersecurity, what do your directors need to know in this era of increased scrutiny? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group, and discussing this topic today with Kim Peretti. She's a partner with the firm of Alston & Bird, LLP. Kim, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you. And you too, Tom. Thanks for inviting me to participate today. Well, it's timely because I know you've just written a briefing on this topic. And so I guess in response to the notion of what directors need to know, what don't directors know now? As a general matter, corporate boards like many people nowadays are are reading the headlines in the paper and they're aware of at least the cyber risk that's out there, that security incidents appear to be happening all the time. So they have an awareness of the threat out there, but what they're struggling with, what they don't know, is what is the risk that that has to any particular organization, and how do you mitigate that risk, and how do you respond to it? Well, you make a good point because there have been some awfully high-profile headlines this year about Target and other organizations. In your conversations with, with directors, do you get a sense that maybe they don't entirely understand what's at stake here? I do, and I think um, even executive-level management and even senior management or management still doesn't quite understand what's at stake. But what's at stake is that the risk exposure for cyber attacks continues to rapidly increase. We've seen this shift that has altered the risk profile because of the cybersecurity incident evolving cyber threat landscape, if you want to call it that where now it's much more likely that a security incident will result in heavy financial losses, enforcement actions, and lawsuits against companies and its directors and officers. Even the cost of data breach continues to to increase yearly, as well as the above-normal customer turnover. So what's at stake is that these incidents, the security incidents, are more likely to cause these significant impacts to the organization and risk exposure. Um, and I mentioned that companies are facing a grow, growing number of lawsuits, particularly in the in the shareholder derivative actions. We've seen in the past several months two victim organizations that suffered uh, large payment card breaches by very sophisticated organized criminal groups facing lawsuits seeking to hold c- corporate directors and officers liable for breach of fiduciary duty in corporate ways. So. So directors and officers have to be aware of potential lawsuits um, if there is a breach, a significant breach to the organization. Not only lawsuits and enforcement actions, though, they have to be, they may face, uh, they may risk losing their jobs. We've seen a a proxy advisor firm recently issue a report where they urged shareholders to vote out seven of ten of the ten board members for allegedly mishandling a data breach that happened in the in the organization. So it's it's enforcement actions, it's heavy financial losses, it's lawsuits, and it's even potentially their, their board member position. What sort of legal trends do you see that led you to write this, this briefing on what directors need to know? Well, we've seen significant increased regulatory interest in cybersecurity practices both before and after an incident. So it isn't just when you have an incident that you can expect regulatory inquiry. It can be before the incident as well. Um, At the federal level, the SEC, in an effort to protect its shareholders in general, has shown an increasing interest in cybersecurity issues, and this is second potentially only to the FTC. 
but it's not only the FTC and the SEC. We've seen the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, uh, interested, the FDA, the Treasury Department, and, of course, many state agencies, such as state AGs, um, looking to protect the residents of their particular state. So we've seen this interest manifest itself in disclosure guidance, roundtable discussions, cybersecurity enforcement actions, speeches, and those specifically addressing cyber risk and the board, and importantly, proactive staff examinations, regulatory examinations focused on cybersecurity practices of regulated companies. Kim, let's talk about pre-breach responsibilities. What do you see as a board's responsibilities in their role there before an incident occurs? Well, a couple of things. First, boards are ultimately responsible for being in charge of risk assessment and management, and they must assume an oversight role in that regard. Um, with respect to cybersecurity, they need to involve themselves in the, in the company's cybersecurity strategy before and after a breach. So that leads to the first thing they need to be aware, you know, to, to be aware of is to become informed at the outset. You know, cybersecurity and IT are particularly technical disciplines with technical jargon. Board mem- members need to be ensured that they have at least a basic knowledge or familiarity with the technical language and be able to a- to be able to ask the right questions. There's been a lot of guidance in that area. On there's been recommendations for mandatory cybersecurity training for board members perhaps having an enterprise risk committee or a special committee that deals exclusively with cybersecurity, engaging or having board members with specific IT experience can help, engaging external consultants. So there's a number of recommendations um, and avenues that the company, that the board members can become involved. Once they're sort of involved, informed, they also need to periodically evaluate their, their company's cybersecurity procedures, programs, protective measures, the risk pro- profile, ask those probing questions about what is the risk exposure our company has with cybersecurity, how do we defend against it, how do we mitigate it. In the mitigation area, they should be asking about cybersecurity insurance, um, that that's a, a continuing trend of a way to mitigate from these increasing costs with respect to cybersecurity incidents. They also should not forget to, to ask very probing questions about how prepared is the company to respond to security incidents. The significant ones with far-reaching re- exposures, not sort of the general noise that most companies experience every day, but ask about what sort of security incident response plan do we have in place? Do we also have a data breach response plan in place that brings in other executives if if the incident is significant? Have those plans been tested? Are they effective, or do they just sit up on the shelf? Really ask the hard questions of how prepared is the company to respond to these, these increasingly sophisticated events. Uh, Kim, you talked about how boards can get a little smarter on cyber. Do you find that boards are starting to look at the makeup of the board itself and bring people aboard that have got this background and experience? Absolutely. I think that's one avenue and one method that we're seeing more and more often. I would say it's not the only method. Um, It really takes a thoughtful determination of what's most appropriate for any given board. That is one way to bring on IT experience, but the board needs to understand that the entire board needs to be informed about these decisions. And sometimes if you have a very one strong member that has that technical experience, then 
um, it can be easier to just delegate to that one person. And, and I think the, the conversation needs to be had is how can the entire board most effectively assume an oversight role in this area. So it's a mistake to think you can bring in, say, a subject matter expert and you're covered. That's not true. That's right. I mean, that's certainly helpful, but um, the entire board needs to participate in these discussions. The board can, you know, rely. Another avenue is to have a special you know, board committee, an enterprise risk committee, was suggested recently by the SEC, an SEC commissioner. That special committee can exclusively focus on these types of issues and keep the board informed. That's another avenue. But no, it can't be hiring ex, you know, outside consultants and assume that you're safe and okay. So we talked about pre-breach responsibilities. What's the board's responsibility after there has been an incident? Well, because of the increasing exposure that these incidents have, boards increasingly are are needing to take an oversight role um, in the event of a significant cyber breach. And, 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 and to take an oversight role, they need to become engaged, similar to the pre-breach responsibility, but become engaged and involved in directing the response that the company is taking to the incident, be informed of important facts that develop, ask questions about the strategies to respond, the containment strategies, and very importantly, the remediation strategies, sort of lessons learned, how do we make sure this won't happen again, and what what is our remediation plan, the detailed remediation plan that we intend to take to ensure that we heighten our security and ensure this does not occur again. So in terms of getting this information, i I got sort of a series of questions here. Who should be delivering it? When should they be informing the board? And how much information is appropriate, not too much or too little? All very good questions. And the messaging of this information, particularly when it's the aftermath of a breach and it's a crisis situation, is is very it's difficult because there often isn't a lot of time and the board is convened very quickly. As far as how that process happens, most of the time with significant events, there's a data breach response team with a, a data breach coordinator, and that coordinator has a higher level position within the organization and assumes the role of, of reaching out to the CEO or, or of, to senior executives as well as the board. That person might be um, proficient enough in understanding the developing forensics facts to communicate them very clearly, or that person may feel more comfortable to have a forensic vendor or the CIO or the CISO or an outside counsel who's proficient in understanding security response to communicate. But that communication is important. It needs to be clear. It needs to be unfiltered. It needs to set expectations about what possibly could continue to happen within the, the investigation and how the facts may unfold. Often, uh, one of the, the hardest part is to set those expectations that this investigation may last for several weeks or months, and we may not be back to our day jobs for a while. And we also may not have those hard answers to your questions quickly. It's going to be a process that's going to unfold over time. As far as how much or how little, uh, how little information to provide, um, it certainly isn't going to be as detailed and technical as the data breach response team will receive from the forensic investigators. 
but it needs to outline very clearly the potential risks that are involved, the legal decisions that may need to be made, the strategies that are underway to address the containment of the incident and identify the nature and scope of the incident, as well as the, the exposure, the different areas of legal exposure, whether it's securities, potential securities, fraud litigation because of declining stock prices, whether it's regulatory inquiry because of personal information that has been potentially accessed, whether it's class actions that may be filed because it's a data breach. So very concisely outlining the potential exposure as well as the steps the company is taking to address what often is a very technical investigatory process. Kim, that's excellent information. One last question for you is where can we find some resources for boards and for people interacting with boards to ensure that they've got the information that they need? I think one of the a great resource that recently came out was a part of the director handbook series that is specifically on cyber risk oversight for boards that was developed by uh, the National Association of Directors Committee, I believe, NADC, the Information Security Alliance, as well as AIG, and I believe it's posted on the Department of Homeland Security's website. Another place is to, to look for the regulators have been very good at publishing some resources, you know, to help identify how they are viewing the necessary cybersecurity practices. So, for example, the SEC's Office of Compliance and Investigations Examination, OCIE, um, recently had a cybersecurity initiative, and they have an appendix which publishes a sample list of requests for examiners. And if you, if you start to look at those sample requests, um, you get a sense of what regulators are interested in knowing about a company's cybersecurity practices. And I think that's a very good benchmark, very good place to start for directors to think about the questions that they should be asking. Another example is the uh, New York Insurance Commissioner when they issued what's called the 308 letters for insurance companies to understand their cybersecurity practices. Again, a list of questions in the, in, that regulators are interested in knowing about cybersecurity practices of organizations. Those are all good places to get a sense of what regulators are interested in and, and ultimately what they expect boards and senior management should be asking of their companies. Kim, thanks for sharing your insight with me today. You're very welcome, Tom. Thanks for having me today. The topic has been cybersecurity, what directors need to know, I've been speaking with Kim Peretti, partner with the law firm of Alston and Bird, LLP. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.